It's great to see you here today. I want to begin with an announcement. Last week, we uh, uh, prayed over Pastor Ben, who um, resigned and moved to Duluth. Well, this morning, we want to introduce to you uh, our new Oasis pastor. His name is also Ben. <laughs> we don't have to change any labeling. That was part of the hire. No, it wasn't. Um, but anyway, Pastor Ben Geetson and his wife, Abby, and uh, you know he's a, 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 a Wesleyan-oriented guy because his oldest kid is named Wesley. So at any rate... Um, Pastor Ben actually uh, was born again. He, he, he was saved at Oasis, and he has a real heart for that ministry, and we're just thrilled to get him here. Uh, when I first came to uh, Brookings, uh, Ben was my interim youth pastor for about 11 months um, and did a, just a bang-up job, but he felt called to go with uh, Pastor Rick at the time to plant the, the Vine Church in the Twin Cities, and he went there and was part of that church plant, and then he got his uh, pastoral degree and came back to Cornerstone Church up in Watford City, and it's been pastoring there ever since, and uh, now he's coming here, and so we're just thrilled to have him on board. We'll introduce him when he physically shows up, and uh, you can meet him uh, there and, and get to know him, but we're excited about this. Um, in your bulletins this morning was some information, and uh, if you're like me, you probably begin to wonder and try to do some of that uh, the work in there. I hope you did. I have some things in there that are indices of uh, you know, intelligence, whether it be IQ, EQ, CQ. And so I want to begin this morning by talking through some of that because it's going to set us up for today's message really well. Um, oftentimes when somebody talks about intelligence, they naturally go to the cognitive side and they talk about you know, your mental intelligence. And we call that IQ, which means uh, intelligent quotient. And, and so I put in there a little spatial puzzle for you to kind of get you thinking. It'll pop up here. So on the top, you see three uh, progressions. And, and then there's a fourth pro progression that goes in the question mark. It's either A, B, or C. Did you get it? I told first hour to tell you. Did any of them tell you the answer? What's the answer? What's the next progression to those three, three uh, uh, patterns? <laughs> a, B, C. Um, the answer is B. I'm not going to belabor it this hour, but I'm, the answer is B. But you've got to look at it this way. When you look at the first uh, vertical row, that pattern, that solid square goes up each time. If you look at the middle two, they never move. And then if you look at the far one in the right corner up there, it moves diagonally across so that you get to the pattern, you get to B. That's the next logical step, okay? You see that? Some of you don't see it yet, do you? <laughs> this is called spatial understanding, and it's a big, big part of IQ tests normally. I have to tell you this story because it's kind of funny. So I, I, I got distracted for like three hours one day, taking IQ tests and EQ tests. Now you know what your pastor does during the week. And I, so I take this, I thought, I'm going to take an IQ test. I haven't taken one of those forever. I want to see what score I get, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I take this test, and it's like 30 minutes long. And part of the way they measure IQ is how quickly you get the, the, the things done. And you're not supposed to cheat and write it down. I cheated some, you know, because no one was watching me. I had no proctor. Anyway, you've, but I get done. I, I mean, I bust through this thing, and then I get to the end, and I, I want to know my results. And it says, now you just have to pay 14 dollars and 95 cents <laughs> you get your results and I go I passed the whole you know no I failed the whole test actually because the first question I should have asked right in any IQ test is do I have to pay for this thing 
Anyway, the next kind of category that's become really popular, when I was growing up, IQ was the thing. But what's become really popular lately is EQ. And that stands for emotional quotient. Uh, that, that, that's defined as self-awareness, um, having a sensitivity to others, re- relating to others, and, and having that kind of emotional well-being. And so there's a question here that kind of gets after your EQ. Um, imagine you're an insurance salesman. I can't imagine. If any, are any of you insurance salesmen? I can't imagine that job. That's got to be hard. Um, you're calling prospective clients. Fifteen people in a row, I can imagine that, have hung up on you and you're getting discouraged, what do you do? Call it a day and hope you have better luck tomorrow? Amen, right? Reassess what you're doing that may be undermining your ability to make a sale. Some of you are going, hmm, hmm, okay. Try something new on the next call and keep plugging away, the old perseverance approach, right? I like the last one, consider another line of work, because <laughs> that would be me. Um, the, what do you think is the right answer here? C, B? It's, it's B. But what, what, what you're trying to know, remember with EQ, what you're talking about is assessing your own awareness and how you're relating to others and, and, and being able to do that um, with more intelligence, okay? So that, that if you're not, for some reason, 15 people in a row have, have not bought insurance, they just may hate insurance. Come on, that may be the answer, right? But it may be that you're approaching this wrong and you need to do some reassessment. Hey, this, this next category I find fascinating. It's just come on the scene recently. It's called CQ, um, cultural quotient. That means cultural intelligence. And basically what this is talking about is your ability to relate to other cultures. Now, let's define other cultures. They can be ethnic. They can be racial. You can, you know, that can be different cultures. It, it, but, but it can be generational, older generation to younger generation and vice versa. All right? It's how do you relate to other groups of people? And I thought the first example question here is really telling because it, it tells a lot about us as individuals. I talk about my own culture with others. Do you ever do that? You see, here's why this is important. I don't think a lot of us realize we have our own culture. We think everybody should be like us. And we don't recognize we're a certain way. I definitely grew up in uh, Minnesota, and I have a real, real strong Norwegian heritage. And guess what? There is a culture there. You know, my mom said ufta about every third word. My grandma still had a Norwegian accent. Uh, you betcha was just something like, you know, catchphrase, you betcha, whatever, you know. And in Minnesota, you say soda, like you're drinking a pop, right? And, and, and you have all this kind of cultural thing, and, you know, being a Norwegian, you work yourself to death before you ask for any help, because that's what you do in that culture. And so we got to understand something. I, I, I find this really, really disheartening. I see the old vilifying the young and the young vilifying the old. Oh, man, stop. We got to stop doing that. Cultural, uh, cultural ignorance is when we take a, a group of people and vilify them on one little experience we have. We just, just, don't, just never do that. Amen? So there's a second question. I'm ashamed of myself for not standing up when I witness cultural intolerance. We as Christ's followers should be sensitive to other people. Amen? And mistreatment on other people. And so, anyway, these are, these are some examples of what um, are add, are add up to um, your intelligence. I want to add a fourth category here. You're not going to find this on, on uh, any internet connections or anything that I've seen. I would add to this a fourth category called SQ, spiritual quotient. 
And I would declare to you this morning, I feel that that's the most important one for us as followers of Christ. We are called to be spiritually intelligent folk as followers of Jesus. That factors into our makeup as much as IQ, EQ, and CQ would. Amen? And so what we're going to do here for the next three weeks as we get into our Easter series is we're going to talk on SQ a lot. And then guess what? After that, we're going to go into a series called The Matters of the Heart. And for about three, four months, we're going to talk on SQ. I'm not going to use this language every week. Don't worry about that. But what we're going to do is, is, is talk about what does it mean to, to, to be spiritually intelligent, to get some things spiritually and to have wisdom and understanding that flows from God through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit through the living and active word of God and how that can change life so drastically. We're going to talk on some of that. Um, let me give you an example of the matters of the heart. I'm going to tease you a little bit on this thing. So in, in, in matters of the heart, we're going to begin by talking about some vices versus some virtues. So if I talk about the vice of pride, what's the corresponding virtue that you think of? Not a trick question. Being humble, right? Being humble. So we see someone that's kind of prideful. Maybe you're struggling with pride yourself. And you tell that person or you tell yourself, I'm just not going to be proud anymore. Does that usually work? No. God has given us a means of grace to deal with the vice. And we have to use that as a bridge to go from the vice to the virtue. And the means of grace oftentimes is what's not understood. It's like a bridge. It's like something that God has provided for us. And so to get from a vice to a virtue, to get from pride to humility, we got to go on the means of grace bridge that God provides. You know what the means of grace bridge between those two is a right-mindedness on our part. I'm telling you what, when you're aware of who you are and who God really is, all of a sudden you have a right perspective, the right-mindedness, and that really is the best combatant to pride frequently, amen? And the means of grace of moving from pride to humility is right-mindedness. Well, I'm going to talk a lot more on that when we get into that series. All I wanted to do was tease it out a little bit. So when we get to it now in, in, in about four weeks, you'll go, oh, I heard a little teeny bit of this before, and you'll have some idea what's going on. But today we're going to enter on our, our, our Easter journey. And so this week we're going to talk from 1 Corinthians uh, on the message of the cross. Next week is Palm Sunday. And we have how many baptisms? I didn't hear, I heard some people go, oh. And I'm beginning to realize that's a Grace Point Brookings area reaction of thrill, of being thrilled. Oh, that's neat. I didn't hear one, woohoo! You know, I mean, I watch basketball. Were you excited with the Sweet 16 with the girls? Yeah, I was really happy when Oregon lost last night. So I'm a vindictive guy too, you know what I mean? Sorry, I shouldn't have even said that. But I was really cheering hard for those gals. How about you? In my, my house, it was like, all right, you know. But sometimes at church, I don't know, we have so much self-restraint, it's almost damaging to us. That last song we sang, someone should be going, amen, during that, baby, that's a good song, amen? All right, amen. Um, <laughs> like I said, then Easter, we've been planning Easter already, and we have this experience uh, that kicks off right at the beginning of the hour that's really neat. So I want to tell you something, heads up, get here on time. If you're 15 minutes late, you're going to miss the whole thing. So I know that's going to be a stretch for some of us. 
<laughs> I love you. But get here on time. You'll want to experience this. It's going to be really neat. Because I, I told Kyle and Jaina, I want, I want to have an experience. I don't want... Anyway, it's going to be really neat. So come on time. Invite somebody. Invite somebody to join you for church that day. It, it's going to be just a great experience. So um, with that, a, a bit of a roundabout talking, let's get into our message this morning. Uh, today we're going to talk about um, spiritual intelligence, and we're going to talk about that in regard to the message of the cross. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul talks about the message of the cross, that there's two approaches to the message of the cross. Now, when I use the language, the message of the cross, I'm talking about this idea that Jesus came as God's Son in person. He's incarnate God, God in flesh. He came with a mission, and his mission was to die on the cross, right, and be sacrificed for sin to be the atoning blood sacrifice for the sins of people. And if we believe that's the story of God and we put our faith in this crucified, resurrected Christ, we become born-again people and children of God, men and women and girls and boys of God. So um, that's the message of the cross. That's what the message of the cross means in 1 Corinthians. And, and the Apostle Paul says here that the message of the cross puts us into two, two distinct categories. To the ones who reject it or maybe yet don't know about it, such ones are perishing and they're taking a journey towards hell if they don't ultimately change at some point, to the one to receive the message of Christ by faith, then we're told such ones are then endued with power from God and wisdom from God. They put you into two distinct um, categories. Now, one of the big issues that the Apostle Paul is addressing with the Corinthians, and I think it carries over to us, is that these two groups, this group over here has received, this group that has rejected, they tend to develop totally different philosophies about life. And what the Corinthian church was doing was they were taking this group here that had rejected Christ and they were thinking it was smart to believe some of the things that these people were saying and they were taking it into their fellowship. And the Apostle Paul is saying, what in the world are you doing? That's just going to cause damage to you. It's going to mess you up because their philosophies are so different from yours. What's this? I love this stuff. In fact, if you ever want to give me a gift, just give me some hand sanitizer. It's like the best invention ever. I travel every now and then, been traveling a lot lately, and I always carry a bottle of this with me and frequently douse my... I would take a bath in this stuff if I could, right? I would gargle with it if it helped, because I, I just do not... <laughs> I don't... This germ and, and, and bacteria stuff is all over out there, and I notice anymore in our culture that... Um, now, I want to say this. The Asian population is super polite. They wear masks when they're sick and when they're not sick on planes. Have you noticed that? And I'm thinking, they're brilliant. I brought masks with me last time. I didn't wear it, but, but I noticed people cough, and they just projectile cough. And you're going, oh, no. And then I want to bathe in this stuff right then at that moment. And so, you know, this is really good stuff. I don't say to myself, a little bacteria, a little virus is good. I'm going to go, that pole over there that 30, 35 people have just touched, I'm going to go lick it. Blah. Right? I'm not going to do that because I don't think it's all right. And what the Apostle Paul was saying, that was a good picture, wasn't it? What the Apostle Paul is saying to the Corinthian church is, listen, you can't think that a little bacteria, a little virus in terms of the spiritual realm is okay for you. It will cause illness and sickness in your walking after the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. So um, 
He's talking about this, that the the cross divides, you know, culture right in half. And also then we have to be aware. If we're going to be spiritually wise people, we're going to have a, a, a good, you know, a good SQ going on here. We're going to get this idea of what then can we take from culture and what can't we take from culture. So our big thought this morning is this. The message of the cross seems foolish. Seems foolish to those who reject it. But to those who receive it, it is the power and the wisdom of God. Um, it's the power and the wisdom of God. Listen to 1 Corinthians. I'm going to read uh, from chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosophy of this age? Uh, philosopher of this age has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. They think they're thinkers, okay? But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. So let me spend a few moments on these two categories here that Paul identifies, uh, depending on what they've done with the message of the cross. First of all, to the perishing, the message of the cross is foolishness. They just don't get it. And Paul talked about two specific groups here that fall into this category. He uses these as examples. First, he talks on this uh, group of unbelieving Jews. And they stumbled, they tripped up over a a, a crucified Messiah, a crucified uh, Jesus. They had expected God's Messiah, God's deliverer, to be like King David. To come on the scene and be politically astute and be a ruler and, and, and come and just save them from Roman tyranny. But instead, he comes and he what? He's the king that died for their sins. And they stumbled over this, this misconception you know, of who Christ was and who they thought he should be. And they, they stumbled in a way I think that a lot of us stumble when it comes to God and the workings of God. We have preconceived notions of how we think God should work and move and who we think God should be. And that's what we lay on God. Then instead of saying, God, who are you and how have you been revealed to us? You see the difference? And if you listen closely, if you listen closely to to people talk about God, especially those far from God, you will always hear them say, God should be like this, 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 and this. If he's not, I reject him. And that's precisely what the Jews did. They stumbled over the crucified Christ. And Jesus said to these Jews that wanted another sign from him, I'm not going to give you any sign other than the sign of Jonah. And what's the sign of Jonah? Jonah was in the prophet in the Old Testament, was in the belly of the fish for three days before the fish threw him up on the shore. Jesus said, that same thing's going to happen to me. I'm going to be in the grave for three days, and then I'm going to be raised from the dead. That's my sign. And none of them got that because their preconceived notions got in their way. I want to just encourage you 
Watch out what's defining God for you. Amen? Be ruthless this way. Be ruthless because a lot of people will tell you what God should look like and you'll stumble up if you start believing some of those things and go to the Scriptures and be ruthless and say, how is God revealed to me? And let that be your understanding of who God is. Then there were the unbelieving Greeks. They, uh, were, 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 they were prideful thinkers. They thought they were very smart. And they couldn't see how a criminal crucified on a cross could possibly save anybody, much less himself. And they just really thought that the whole message of the cross was moronic, that it was foolish. They just didn't buy it. They tripped over their pride and their smarts. Have you ever seen the sculpture of the thinker? I showed this a couple years ago. There he is. Um, he kind of captures the Corinthian era here. Um, I jokingly said this before. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm reusing this picture. I used it a couple years ago, and I said this back then too. I don't know why to think you have to be naked. Maybe clothes weigh you down. <laughs> I'm being really a smart aleck here, you know. I, I know that in that culture, they love form. They love the body. They love to show the muscles and all that kind of thing. And I understand that's what they... So if you're an art person, please don't, don't get mad at me. But, but it kind of... This was the Corinthian, you know, Greek at that time. This is what they thought of themselves. And Aristotle said of this group of people, on every street corner, one met a so-called wise man who had his own solutions to the world's problems. And so what, what stumbled them up with the message of the cross was they were just too smart for their own good. Do we have that in our culture today? Yeah, we do. We have a lot of people who think they're very smart and who think that Christianity is basically moronic and it's for people who are dumbed down. We really do. And you've got to watch out for such ones. You've got to watch out that you don't think I have to be like them in order to be a smart person. You do not. They'll trip you up. It'll be a little bit of virus that infects your soul that will trip you up. Watch out for them. Uh, we have a lot of stuff being promoted in our culture right now. I'm just going to take one that's coming out of the philosophy uh, of the world, the, the, the ones who think they're, they're, they're smart. Um, I got to thinking about it. One of the big things I see right now is, you know, promote yourself. Make sure you take time for yourself. Um, there's a lot of this, this, this kind of promotion of self-centeredness that's going on, that you can't help anybody until you, you help yourself, blah, 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 which they always have sort of an element of truth to them, you know, but then you take McDonald's, you deserve a break today, really a Big Mac, I don't know about that, whatever, you know what I mean, and, and you know, I need some me time, and so you get all this philosophy coming at you, and pretty soon what, it, what it's really creating is a really self-centered culture. So just for fun of it, I looked up self-centeredness on the internet, you know how informative the internet is, right? And so I looked it up, and I, wonder, I was curious, what does the internet say about self-centeredness? And there were a whole bunch of quotes there. But the one that had the most likes was a, a quote by Albert um, Camus. Uh, Vicky helped me say that, practice it. It's French. I'm sure I just butchered it, but whatever. He said this, To be happy, we must not be too concerned with others. What do you think of that? He, doesn't he look philosophical, though? Look at him. He's got to be smart. He's got an overcoat, 
I think a cigarette, I think. I'm not sure what's in his mouth, but yeah. You know, he just looks so intelligent. Now, I understand he might be saying that, you know, if you're over, overly concerned with what others think, that'll, that'll be a, that's a tough slave master. But it appears like he's saying, you know what, really don't give a rip about people and you'll do fine. Well, what does the Bible say? Is that what the Bible says at all? Here's what the Bible says when it comes to us and selfishness. First of all, just don't think about yourself much. <laughs> you should be thinking about God. He should be occupying your mind. You should be so immersed in him and so in love with him and so on fire with him that, that there's really not that much room in there for selfishness. And then if you're that in tune with who God is, guess what? You'll be in tune with others and concerned about others because that's God's heart. Um, recently, I went to a conference in Las Vegas when you guys had that really bad storm. I really enjoyed the trip a little bit more because of that. Because I wasn't here, and I was so happy to be in Las Vegas. It was warm. It was so nice. We went to Death Valley, and it was just, uh, it wasn't even hot yet. It was just beautifully warm there. At any rate, so I went to a conference while we were in Las Vegas and met with eight other leaders like myself from our, 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 uh, our district, along with Wes Smith, who preached last week, and along with our general superintendent of the Wesleyan Church, Wayne Schmidt. And we had just a really good conference to talk about you know, church and networking in churches and what, what to do for multiplication and some of that kind of thing. But what was really a highlight for me was we spent a whole day with Central Church in Las Vegas. And this church has an online congregation of 60,000 weekly. And their campus meeting on Sunday is 20,000. That's kind of big, isn't it? And their, their second chairperson, their development pastor, their Aaron Cloud, met with us for the whole day and talked with us about church and what he's seen going on and all this kind of their philosophy it was super super informative and i, I he talks to this albert comment here i want to talk about this for a moment with you and i loved what he said he said when you look at culture you can put it on, on a graph now aaron talked about this two week, two years ago but you guys don't remember what happened last month do you if you're like me i don't know anyway he said you could put culture on this graph all right here and over here is minus five that's the person, there's one person in the world who's the farthest from God. They're a minus five. And then you can go minus four, minus three, minus two, minus one. And then you get to what? The cross. Exactly what we're talking about today. The cross divides humanity into two groups, right? Then he says, you got over here the ones just born again, plus one. They're the happy people that have no idea what's going on yet, Right? Been there, done that. How about you? Born again, I don't know anything yet. And then I got Christianized and civilized, and it kind of took it out of me. Anyway, I won't talk about that. Um, plus two here, it, you know, you kind of grow on. And then he talked about here, you get plus three, plus four, and, well, we'll just say the end here, plus five. Um, and he said, this group is looking a lot like Jesus. He said, here's what we do wrong. He said, the church tends to focus here. But where should their focus be? Here. Because if you have the mind of Jesus, if you're a devoted follower of Jesus, first of all, you're going to think on him a lot, right? You're going to think on Jesus a lot. 
you're going to glorify him in your life. And if you're doing that, you're going to think on this group here a lot. You're going to be concerned about what? Them. Does this sound like the quote I just read to you? At all? From Albert? No. Because they're contrary to each other because one's the wisdom of this world and one's the wisdom of our, of our God. And so we have to watch out that we don't get too focused here. Now, I, I believe in discipleship. I believe in, you know, doing church well. And, you know, we're never malicious. Do you understand? We never try to do things to really wreck your day here when you come to church. So if it's hot one day and the air conditioning isn't working, I didn't go, let's turn the heat up today. And we never think like that. Or last week we had some problems with sound. And I'm thinking first hour, oh, great. What is going on here? By second hour, we kind of have figured out. But I just want to tell you, we never do that with any maliciousness. Why would we do that? We're trying to work it out. But those aren't the things that should really concern us that much. If we're really devoted followers of Jesus, it should be what? Glorifying Jesus and people who are in the negative five to two category here. They ought to occupy our minds. And so I just want you to see the difference between the two philosophies here, um, kind of pictorial. Now let's go to, uh, to the second point here. I already talked about it here, the second group. To the ones being saved, the message of the cross is the power then and the wisdom of God. To the ones who have received the message of Jesus Christ um, and all that it implies, they're experiencing transformation, I like to call it. One of the reasons I became a, a pastor of the Wesleyan Church, and I was born again at 13, and I didn't become... Uh, involved with the Western Church until we moved here, and I think I was about 30 years old, is I love the Wesleyan emphasis on transformation. That when you receive Christ by faith, that the Holy Spirit really does fill you, and he changes your life radically. Amen? Do you believe in that? I believe in that all my heart. And, and, and that's what Paul's getting at to the one who receives the message of the cross. Such a one is the recipient of the power of God. And how do we get the power of God in us? By the indwelling presence of the person of the Holy Spirit. And what does he do then? He brings to mind the things that Jesus has said. He brings to mind the things of the Bible. And then we experience transformation and we begin to live and move and have our being in God and we think entirely different and we live entirely different. And that's what God intends, that we become three to fivers, amen? Devoted and we're thinking of him and glorifying him and our hearts consumed and concerned about those who are far from God or who are just becoming Christians that, that we're really, really genuinely concerned uh, uh, about them. See, the intended destination that Paul's getting at for us as followers of God is to live in accordance within the wisdom of God, that we just begin to live it out. But he's given us the tools. It's the power of the indwelling uh, Holy Spirit in us. It's his word to us, right? It's one another encouraging us, uh, each other on and, and, and spurring each other on in good works. And, and so what, what the Paul is saying here is, all right, if you're this person and you're transformed and you're over here, watch out what you take from this group over here. Now, this group over here, they still might be high IQ people, high EQ people, high CQ people. God's prevenient grace is merciful. He sheds it on people. And there might be some really cool stuff coming out of this group, some great thought. I am not going to diminish that at all. Some of the smartest people I know have not yet come to Christ. You notice I use the word yet. It doesn't mean you categorically throw everything out that they say, 
But you have to watch out, right, for what sometimes is philosophies and thoughts contrary to what? The message of the cross. We have to be discerning and careful. We need to be in the world, but not of the world. We need to love the people of the world, but we have to watch out that, that things that are not of Christ don't seep their way into us and, and mess us up. And one of the ways I see this happening, like in the churches right now, you know, there's this whole kind of consumerism in the culture and me and all that. And man, that's, that just can seep into to, to your life so easily, so easily. Um, so just watch out for, for, for that. Um, Anyway, I need to bring us to a conclusion. So why should the worldview of those who reject Jesus be rejected? Because it begins with the wrong assumption and results with the wrong conclusion. I'm direction challenged. Anybody else direction challenged? I do all right when I'm familiar and I can see the sun. But on overcast days and unfamiliar territory, I don't know how you are, but I think it's a 90% rule with me. I will turn exactly the wrong direction. I don't know why that is. And I always want to go left. I'm not sure why that is. So I thank God for the lady on my phone. You see, it's Vicky's phone. She's telling me where to go. She's giving me directions. And they're usually right. Sometimes she gets mixed up too. And I go, oh, she doesn't know this area. But you know what? It's just so nice. Get this. Now get this. If you begin with the wrong assumption and you're trying to get to point A, it's like turning this way and thinking eventually I'll get there. And so that's why most of the time when people are far from God, we have to watch out for the conclusions that they're coming to in life because they're doing it in the absence of God and their SQ is very low. Therefore, they're going to read, uh, reach some really wrong conclusions. So here's our conclusion today. Let me read it to you, then we're going to read it all, all together. You can fill in the blanks. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. I love this scripture. Let's read it out loud together. Read it with me, would you? For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Amen. I want to close by reading scripture over you today from Ephesians chapter 1. It's still on this idea that those of us who have received the message of the cross, then our our, 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 our Understanding what it means to be the recipients of God's wisdom and power. Listen to this scripture and soak it in today. Beginning with verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 1. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I ask that for you right now. I pray that for every single person in here right now. So that you may know him better. Amen. What do the three and fivers do? They glorify God. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and its incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Amen? I pray this for you. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord God, this scripture I just read, I pray for us at Grace Point that we'd understand and we'd have a glimpse of understanding of what we really have when we receive Christ. That we have power 
from you, God, that's incomparable. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in our bodies. It, too, will raise us from the dead. And we're going to be with you forever, Lord Jesus. And in addition to that, God, you endue us with wisdom through the ministry of the person of the Holy Spirit within us and through the ministry of your word, through the ministry of the body of Christ. These are all sources of wisdom, and we thank you for that, God. And I pray today that we'd walk in that grace and that power and that wisdom that you've made available to us, God. And I pray you give us a discerning spirit. It's not that all the world is bad. It is not. But we have to watch out for philosophies and, um, you know, things that are, are contrary to your wisdom, God, that we don't embrace those because that virus can cause us to be sick in our souls, Lord. So grace us with great discernment, Lord. Help us to have a heart, God, that loves you and then loves people and ministers truth to people, Lord. Would you just bless us at Grace Point in this way? And for any who don't know you yet, Jesus, I pray today would begin a journey of them knowing you, of giving their heart to you and following after you hard, Jesus. We're never the same. I love that you transform us. You create us new. You make all things new, Jesus. And I pray for some this morning that they would begin a new journey with you and pray for you. Uh, pray that you would come into their hearts, Jesus, this day. Pray all these things in your name by your blood. And all God's people said,